1: than I ever did. You had some heavy hitters uh, guests on too, man. So keep up the good work. But it's good to be with you, and I'm ready to talk sports. Hello, everybody, and welcome in to Sports on Chicago. My name's John and Great to have you here. In today's edition of the program, we're going to break down the Cubs' big free agent signings in just a second, plus... Brand new interview today with Fren Casper, the radio voice of the Chicago White Sox. Talk to them extensively about White Sox baseball, his new band, Sonic 45, his broadcasting career, and so much more. It's a great interview. And it comes your way near the midway point of this show. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports, Facebook John Glue. Want to watch more of this show? Head on over to sportstalkchicago.com. I want to start today with this. Hello me shot. In the best way possible, though. I did not expect the Cubs to spend serious money this offseason. Didn't know they were at that point in their rebuild. They're stunning everybody. They are being bold. They're making moves that other people didn't see coming. The Rickets are spending money on this team. What year is it? Not 2015 or 2016. It's 2022, and there are real resources being poured into this team that were not poured into it before. There's hope. There's a future. There's a vision, once again. I'll break down the signings in just a second. I'm a little bit timid on one of them. But I think there's an overarching theme that needs to be discussed and covered. Regardless of if these signings are good or if the Cubs strike out or if they hit gold with any of these moves, the fact is they're spending money again. And to me... That's all that matters. It would suck if these signings don't pan out, and they are going to be criticized justly if they don't. But I think it's worth saying in this moment, we should all be excited. If you're a Cubs fan, you should be excited about these moves being made. There is spending. There is a passion. There is a vision. There is a desire to put resources into this team and actually win games. Don't know if it's going to happen. Don't know if these signings will be conducive to winning. But we do know this. This is not the same rebuilding team that we saw two years ago, even last year. The Cubs are committed to spending money, and they're committed to this team being better in 2023. Doesn't mean they're going to be a World Series team already, or even a playoff team, but I do say they're going to be a competitive team, a team that should be reaching for a wild card spot, reaching for the division, considering how weak it is. I think that's the biggest takeaway from these moves. You could evaluate and criticize every single signing the Cubs make. We're going to evaluate and criticize the Bellinger and Tyone signings, but in general, overarching thing, the Cubs are spending money again. That should be cause for celebration more than anything. These moves could be total crapshoots. They could totally not work out, and it would suck. But I'll tell you what, I'd rather them spend money and strike out than put their hands out of their pants, and sit there and do nothing. There's at least an attempt at competition, an attempt at putting resources back into this team and building them to be some sort of contender in 2023. Whether that be just a playoff spot or even more, the fact is resources and money are being poured into this team. And that's exciting. That's fun to watch. And that's something that should be celebrated from this Cubs team. I never thought i'd see the day so quickly too i was expecting a three to four maybe even five year rebuild and i was okay with it knowing that ah, this team was going to be building their farm system back up and trying to replicate what they did in 2016 a lot of cubs fans didn't like it a lot of people said the rickets were cheap i was one of the few who said this is good stuff this is responsible this is smart and yet they are kind of bashing their own timeline and making it quicker, making it easier for the Cubs to be winners in 2023 and beyond. That is exciting. That is amazing. I didn't expect that to happen so soon. I didn't expect that to become the Cubs calling card next year already. And by the way, they're not done spending money as of this taping. Well, Up season's still a long time to go. The Cubs could spend more money and acquire more players via free agency in these next two and a half to three months. But they've already made big moves, two big moves, one to bolster their starting rotation and the other to bolster their lineup. Jamison Tyone and Cody Bellinger have been signed by the Cubs. Tyone, a four year, $68 million deal with the Cubs on Tuesday, and Bellinger, a one year, $17.5 million deal. Only a one year flyer for Bellinger. Apparently, David Ross said about Bellinger, "quote He's a really good fit from a perspective of it's a great defense, great base running, luck in the bat, with the potential to have an uptick offensively." Meanwhile, Tyone did pretty good the past two years in New York, a 3.91 ERA the past season in 177 innings pitched. So these aren't perfect signings. Want to be very upfront with that, Tyone. Uh, formerly a Pittsburgh Pirate and actually faced the Cubs a couple of times as he was younger, went through a couple of injuries, Tommy John surgeries, and his comeback relatively strong. This past year, I was pretty impressed. 14 and 5 3.91 ERA, 177 innings pitched, 151 strikeouts. So he was durable after the surgery, did much better than 2021 with a 4.30 ERA, so there's signs of improvement. And at his best, he is a potential Cy Young candidate. In 2018, a 3.20 ERA with the Pirates, 191 innings pitched, 180 strikeouts. That's quality number two or number three starter stuff. And in this Cubs rotation with so many young guys, some of them being bullpen pieces, some of them being swing men without knowing their role, you now know you have a starting pitcher. May not be the best, may not be an ace, but he will be a number three, number two maybe. You acquired somebody solid who did not break the bank at four years, $68 million. Probably could have gone for much more had he had even a slightly better year. So he got Tyone at a discount, didn't have to pay too much, and you bring in a real bona fide starter who has real experience in baseball and has been around for a long, long time. That's the exciting part. I could not be happier with the Tyone signing. The One that I have a problem with a little bit is Cody Ballinger, and here's why. Everybody's been freaking out. Go Cubs. Go Cody Bellinger. Oh my gosh, it's such a big deal. You do realize he's not the MVP of 2019 anymore, right? This is so similar to the Chris Bryant saga. Everybody loved Chris Bryant, yet he hadn't done good in four or five years. And Bellinger, ever since 2019, has hit the following 239, 165, and 210. The Cubs paid $17.5 million for somebody who had 210 last year. With 19 home runs in 144 games. That is a different story. Now, I get you're taking a flyer on him, and maybe he turns out great and I'll look like an idiot by September. But on paper, that was not a good move. That's a waste of money. should have been spent some other way. Could have grabbed somebody else, anybody else, for that situation. I mean, really, 210? You could have done way better than that. Spending $17.5 million on somebody who had 210 with 19 home runs, somebody who's not had a good year since 2019, somebody who's struggling to hit above 200 for the majority of last year and for the majority of his career now. Newsflash: Bellinger is not 2019 Bellinger. So the Cubs need to do a better job at understanding how much money they're giving out and for what purpose. Giving him $17.5 million for that, that's like flushing money down the toilet. And there's a chance he turns it back on, there's a chance he reinvents his career here, I have my doubts. The Dodgers barely used him last year. Didn't use him enough. They didn't want to use him. He was the liability in the lineup. He was in ninth every night, eighth every night. Did nothing to contribute to that operation over there. Now it comes here. Oddly reminiscent of the Cubs signing of Jack Peterson, granted for much less money, but the same kind of thing. Peterson, one year, $8 traded them him, wins a World Series, of course. But he did bad in a Cubs uniform. And Bellinger is on a real low trajectory of his career. The Cubs pay him $17.5 million to come in and do something, anything. That is a problem. I don't get the hype. I think there's the hype because people think of 2019, and I think of the Dodgers, and what a great team. But in reality, Cody Bellinger has been a liability for Los Angeles for three years. For years, he's been a liability. He hasn't been anything productive or good or helpful. He's been a problem for them. He's been a thorn in their side. He has held them back. And the Cubs reward him for doing that. That is an issue. And that's where I stand on that signing. I am not happy about that one. There's always the possibility he does well. There's always the possibility he turns things around, but I don't see it. I see another 200 to 220 type season with maybe 25 home runs and that is not worth $17.5 million. No way. That's a joke. It was a dumb signing by the Cubs. really was. How can you justify bringing somebody in for that much money who has performed so little? Nevertheless, at the end of the day, the real positive part of this whole thing is that the Cubs are spending money. I may not agree with the money they spend and who they spend it on. I may not agree with some of these contracts they're giving out, but I do agree that this team's going to be competitive and they're trying to be better and they're trying to better themselves. And I'd rather see them spend money and lose than sit in their hands and lose. They're actually making an attempt to be better. Whether or not it works, different story. Whether or not I agree with all this money being given out to somebody like Cody Bellinger, different story, but I do agree That there is a sense of urgency. There is a sense of we can win now. There is a sense of encouragement. And looking forward to the future. That's exciting. The Cubs have done a good job at fast-tracking their own process for the rebound. And I think they should be celebrated for that. Everybody bashed the Cubs two years ago, and they traded away everybody. Everybody bashes the Ricketts family for not spending enough money. You really can't say anything now. If they're paying Cody Bellinger $17.5 million, they are willing to spend, trust me. So that's a start. I may not agree with every single contract given out. may not agree with Cody Bellinger. But I agree in the sense that they're being competitive and they actually care now about their on-the-field product and winning. That's all you can ask for if you're a Cubs fan. That's all you can ask for if you're a baseball fan, if you're a Chicago fan. I've seen these teams mired in mediocrity and owners who are unwilling to make changes. The Cubs have shown now that they are willing to make changes, they are willing to be better, and they are willing to put money and resources into this historic franchise. I have no problem with that, and I have no issue with that. Cubs have been tied to more starting pitching help, maybe another bat. In other news, Wilson Contreras has left for the Cardinals on a five-year deal. Shame on you, Jed Hoyer. Not for letting him go, but for not trading him like we talked about in the middle of the season, by the way. Please keep Wilson Contreras, everybody, please keep him. You know what? Had the Cubs traded him at that time, they would have gotten so much back, and instead, it's the Cubs who are losing now. They get nothing back for him, and the Cardinals pay him. Remember, it's a business. You may have personal affections towards certain players, like the whole Bellinger hype, but at the end of the day, it's a business, and if you don't perform, you're going to face the consequences. And for the wilson Contreras' situation, the Cubs should have traded him. Nobody wanted it to happen. Everybody was heartbroken. They put feelings over facts, and look what happened. Now he's gone. Five-year deal. Cardinals, gone. Cubs get nothing back for him in return. Could have traded him, gotten a huge haul back prospect-wise, but nope, everybody said, keep Wilson, don't trade Wilson. What a joke. They're tanking. Yep, look at them now. They're spending real money and now they don't have Wilson Contreras. Probably should have traded them. But, again, nobody's going to be perfect and everybody will make a mistake. As long as you make a mistake trying, I'm more okay with that than making a mistake and doing nothing. The Cubs are actively trying. Whether or not they make the right call is a different story. Time will tell whether or not these signings were right and were justified. Based on history, the Bellinger one, not so much. Tyone was a good one, though. I like that signing. But the real truth is, they're spending money. And guess what? They're competitive again. The Cubs, the same team that just won the 2016 World Series, is actually competitive again. So if there's one takeaway you have from any of these signings, good or bad, critical or not critical, it's the fact that Money is being spent again. There's excitement. There's an idea that there could be winning in 2023. And a bright future to come. But no matter how you feel about these moves, remember, the Cubs are planning on being competitive. And that's the first time we've said that in many years here in Chicago. What well, to come here on Sports Talk Chicago, my interview with Lon Kaspar comes up next. So stay tuned. What's on Chicago? Here we're John we have Patrons McLewland, Beck, and for today's special guest. He's the radio voice of the Chicago White Sox and the founder of Sonic 45, the band. Please welcome Len Casper to the program. Len, it's great to have you on. How are you?
0: Hey, John, just all bundled up on a uh, cold, rainy, drizzly, (laughs) snowy afternoon in Chicago. Makes you think about baseball.
1: That's for sure. Winter meetings going on, lots of signings going on. What's been your reaction to all this movement in baseball?
0: Yeah, it's always fun uh, when when things are happening on the hot stove. Um, You know, I tend to uh, just kind of do my homework on where everybody's going and hopefully by spring training, I'll, I'll have it all sorted out that, you know, this guy's here, this guy's there. Uh, but even having said that, it always feels like a few guys slip through the cracks and all of a sudden, I'm down in Arizona and I'm like, Oh, wait a minute. That's right. Jason Hayward is a Dodger. (laughs) He signed a minor (laughs) league contract, uh, yesterday. So, you know, those are the kinds of things that, um, kind of get you excited for the following year. And, uh, yeah, I can't wait to get going, especially, and I know we'll probably talk about uh, the White Sox new manager, Pedro Grifol. I've had a chance uh, to talk with him a couple of times, and I'm really impressed, and I uh, can't wait to get to know him a little better.
1: What do you think he brings to the table that maybe Tony Russa didn't really have?
0: Well, I think every you know manager comes at it from a, a little bit of a, a different angle, and sometimes what I've noticed is that the messages don't, change a whole lot. It's just sometimes when they're delivered in a different way or from a different voice, uh, they might carry some some resonance. And uh, I would expect no matter who uh, was managing this club in 2023, that there would be a lot of bounce back uh, performances because you had several guys, I I, I would say most uh, on this club who did not have seasons they expected To have Now, does it mean that everybody's going to bounce back? Not necessarily, but uh, I I do think there's a lot of motivation here after a very disappointing 22. And we all know the talent is here. It's a club that won 93 games two years ago. Uh, The division is not waiting around for anybody, as we saw the Guardians. Uh, I expect them to be very good. Uh, I think Detroit, now they're revamping a little bit. They've got a new president of baseball operations, Scott Harris. The Royals have a lot of young talent, and I think the Twins underachieved as well. So I think it's going to be a very interesting division in 23, but uh, I feel good about the White Sox' chances.
1: How do you explain what happened this past season? Why did they not perform up to par?
0: I think that's a question everybody uh, is trying to answer. Um, For whatever reason, they they could not get on a roll, and I think early on had the eight-game losing streak. And they just were never able to really recover from that for for whatever reason. I mentioned, you know, individually, just a lot of down years across the board. Really, uh, aside from Dylan Cease, Liam Hendricks, uh, maybe Jose Abreu, even though his home run totals were down, uh, hit for a high average, um, got on base a lot. Um, nobody else really kind of stepped up and had that year. Eloy did late when he came back, but he wasn't healthy all season long. So I think it was just a combination uh, of a lot of different things. And for whatever reason, they they just, they couldn't get on a roll. And then I, I give Cleveland a lot of credit, John. They, You know, the Guardians played a brand of baseball that uh, was very difficult, I think, for the White Sox to to play against and for the rest of the league, for that matter. Uh, they seem to be, A very clutch team that came up with a big hit when they needed it the most, didn't strike out a whole lot. Um, And, yeah, uh, it was their their year. Uh, I think that's probably the best way to put it.
1: How big of a loss is Jose Abreu's bat going to be now he's with the Astros?
0: You know, for me, while the bat is kind of the most obvious thing, I think everybody would tell you in this organization they're going to miss Jose the person. Uh, he had been a lifelong Sox since coming over from Cuba. Uh, came back on a three-year contract uh, after his first one had expired. And, you know, I'm happy for him that he landed in a great spot uh, and got three years with the Astros. Um, and his legacy uh, is cemented in White Sox history. I could see his number being retired and a statue of him at the ballpark at some point down the road. Um, I, I, I'm i really fortunate that I got to know him and got to see him play on an everyday basis. Uh, I think about some of the first basemen I've been around: Derek Lee with both the Marlins and the Cubs, Anthony Rizzo with the Cubs, and and now Jose with the White Sox. Uh, I've been pretty lucky. Those are three amazing uh, human beings, great players, all very good defenders at first. And uh, you know, I can't say I'll be rooting for him in the first four games of the season because we'll <laughs> be in Houston, but. Uh, after that, I hope he does well.
1: This might put you on the spot, but who was your favorite player to watch of those three, Lee, Rizzo, or Abreu?
0: I mean, it, I, it's really hard for me to to pick one or the other. I, I, I think I'll, I'll answer it this way. The best season, individual season I've ever seen, not just among those three, but any uh, player I've ever watched on a daily basis – and, and this includes Chris Bryant, who was the MVP uh, in 16. But Derek Lee, go back and look at his 2005 season. I f- believe he finished second to Albert Pujols in the MVP voting, but he could not be stopped. He did everything. Hit for power, hit for average, uh, took walks, hit doubles, hit singles, uh, never missed a play at first base. And uh, that's one of those very special years I was I was fortunate to to witness. I think he led the I think he led the majors in hits that year. That's how good Derek was. Um, so that's the best individual season I've ever witnessed.
1: Yeah, he did 199 that season. What was that like for you too? I mean, that was your first year with the Cubs. You watched Derek Lee almost win a triple crown. I mean, how did you feel about that?
0: Oh, I mean, it was amazing. It's it. I guess the only disappointment is that it came in a in a disappointing year for for the team, but. I remember a trip to Southern California, uh, and he, he's from California. Um, I think he had seven or eight hits in a row in L.A. and then San Diego, and it just it felt like he couldn't be stopped. And uh, I, I remember talking to him a lot that year, and Derek, one of the things I love about him, and Chris Bryant kind of reminds me of Derek a little bit, that the they're very honest and open, and sometimes they just don't have the answer. And he would just kind of shrug his shoulders, like I don't, I don't know why, but it <laughs> works. <laughs>
1: and Casper here with me on Sports Talk Chicago, Len, uh, talking about the White Sox and their move this offseason. They brought in Clevenger on a one-year deal. What do you make of that signing?
0: Yeah, you look at the uh, y- you look at the history, and and when Mike Clevenger's been healthy, and I think even this year he said the knee probably was the culprit in terms of his velocity. Uh, when he's been healthy, he's been one of the better starters in the American League. He's got an interesting delivery. He never sits still. He's got the long hair and the tattoos, so he'll be a fun <laughs> guy to, 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 to watch. He's always pitched well against the White Sox. I think another highly motivated guy, particularly when he faces uh, the Guardians. Uh, in some ways, this is similar to the Cody Bellinger signing for the Cubs, Uh, guys who are kind of on a prove-it type deal. And uh, the White Sox needed a starter, um, and I I think he should fit really well into this group.
1: What's your evaluation of the rotation today? I mean, Dylan C's coming off a Cy Young-esque season. Now they have Clevenger, a couple of other guys coming back. What do you expect out of them for next year?
0: Well, I think it's definitely a strength of this team, and uh, probably the biggest reason why the 21 club – had the big lead that they had for much of the year as the rotation was great. And that was really pre dominating, uh, Dylan cease. Um, I think Lance Lynn by the end of the year was starting to be the old Lance, uh, following his knee surgery. It's a big year for Lucas, uh, who's done a lot of work in the off season, but he admits, Hey, I can talk about all the work I've done, but none of it matters until I go back out there and, and prove it. Um, Dylan, it'll be really interesting to see how he follows up last year, but, you know, he's got a chance to be in that Cy Young mix every single year. He's got maybe the best stuff in the league. Uh, And then the Michael Kopech part of it, right? Uh, I think it was a big time learning experience in 22. Uh, He had to battle some uh, kind of freak injuries as well, Um, but he's a, a great competitor and I think he wants to get up in that one sixty one seventy inning range, if he can do that, and then Davis Martin's kind of your extra guy, uh, I thought up until the final day of the season uh, was one of the bright spots of this entire club, uh, the, the White Sox should feel very good about their rotation going into the year.
1: I was just going to ask you about Kopech. Do you think he gets up to a higher innings count or an innings limit after his previous injuries and coming up on this season?
0: I think that would be his goal. You know, that's a question for for Ethan Katz, for sure. But, um, you know, knowing Michael the way I do, I think he, he feels he was born to be a starting pitcher. And uh, I think some of those five-inning starts, he hopes to make seven-inning starts and to pitch as regularly, you know, every fifth day as he possibly can. So, Len, what's your
1: overall expectation then for the White Sox in 2023, based on what they've done so far and what could be done the rest of the day, season.
0: Well, I hate, I hate getting in the prediction business because baseball's weird, but you know, I, I think everybody here expects his team to be simply better than it was last year and um, compete for the division title. Uh, I, I think that is a, a very realistic expectation. Uh, I don't know what the pundits uh, or the experts are going to say, uh, whether the, the, they have Cleveland still uh, at the top, but uh, I think, again, everybody's excited about. Uh, Pedro and his new staff, and a few uh, additions on the field, and um, yeah, I, I, I'm I'm ready to go. I, I can't wait for the first day of spring training, and I, I think it's going to be a fun 23 season. What to come with, Len Casper in just a moment. Stay tuned, Biscuits Sports Talk Chicago.
1: Jasper, still here on Sports Talk to Chicago. A lot of few more questions before we finish up. Uh, first off, what's it like being away from the Cubs?
0: You know, it's funny. I, I don't really think of it being away from the Cubs. I think of being with the White Sox. And I've, <laughs> I've been uh, embraced by everyone from Mr. Reinsdorf to, as I mentioned, the baseball staff to the great front office people. And I've, I've really enjoyed getting to know all the people uh, inside the organization. And uh, it's 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 a little different for me because I was already in the market and I did have some, I guess, name recognition uh, uh, already as opposed to going to a different city where you feel like nobody knows who you are uh, or you don't know them. And uh, I, I found we have a, a lot of the new friends I've made have been not just the result of me working with a new organization, but the result of connections that they had with friends of mine that I have made over the years in Chicago. So I feel like it's been a quick study in that regard. Whenever you join a new, a new team, you feel like there are 300 people uh, whose names you have to learn. And uh, it didn't take me that long with the White Sox. It's a very uh, family, family type atmosphere. And again, I give uh, Jerry Reinsdorf all the credit for that and, and, how warm uh, everybody is. So it's been great. Uh, I've been here two years now, and it feels like I've been here even longer. Still have a lot of friends from the north side. And uh, like I said, I'm still in Chicago, so I'm I'm no stranger.
1: Are the haters still active? Is everybody still going after you, or is that past
0: now that you've left the cops? I, you know, that (laughs) stuff might... still occur. I don't really pay much attention to it. Uh, it doesn't really affect what I do on a daily basis and uh, I I feel like I've been embraced by White Sox fans and um, you know, that, that part of it to me has been very gratifying.
1: What's made White Sox baseball so rewarding and gratifying for you?
0: Well... Aside from the biggest stuff that I just mentioned on a personal level, uh, the team's been really interesting to watch. As frustrating as the 22 season was, 81 and 81, uh, the expectations were high. There were some interesting things that happened. The 21 season was was really fun. Uh, and then being able to do radio on a full-time basis for the first time in my broadcasting career uh, in baseball uh, has been incredible. My, my partner Darren Jackson is is awesome. I feel like we have great chemistry that really started on day one and has only gotten better. Connor McKnight, all the great people at ESPN One Thousand, and it's just been fun. We laugh every day. We have a blast every three hour broadcast or four hour broadcast that we do. <laughs> we always try to keep it light and have fun and just talk baseball. So I always get excited when I'm heading to the ballpark and I always feel great uh, when the game's over that we've done a good job.
1: What's the transition been like for you being on TV for so many years and now being the radio voice for the White Sox for the past two?
0: Well, I've still done some television, probably 30 ish games uh, a year, but, um, you know, it's good for the brain. I think to, to have those different challenges on a daily basis. And my gut is always when I return from television to radio, it feels really good. So when your gut tells you um oh, you know this is where i feel like i belong the most uh that 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 tells you something it's definitely uh, a different uh format on radio than it is on television and i i I've, I've embraced that and uh it feels to me like i i was born to do this and you know whether it's just baseball in general or baseball on the radio what i'm doing right now uh, just feels right that's the best way i can put it
1: What's going to be your goal or dream in calling White Sox games? I know you left the Cubs because you wanted to do radio and be with the team during a playoff push. Is that the ultimate goal now, being with the White Sox?
0: Yeah, I think the ultimate goal is the White Sox are in the World Series every year, uh, <laughs> have a deep playoff run at the very least. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, my first four playoff games in terms of being a lead announcer were last year, 2021. Uh, And being a local television announcer, I wasn't able to do that before. So that uh, is obviously big. Um, I think the other kind of little thing, uh, opening night this year in Houston will be a national television game. So in the years past, I wouldn't be able to do opening day, which is my favorite day of the baseball calendar. But because I'm on radio, I will be able to call that game. So those are just little things, you know, when you're a part of a team, you want to feel like you can participate in the biggest games. And uh, doing radio now uh, allows me to do that.
1: Len, before we finish up to that last question, how do you form Sonic 45 and what's the latest on the band?
0: Yeah, thanks for asking. Uh, when I turned 45 in 2016, I started writing songs on my own and came up with an idea for uh, what uh, this band should sound like. I didn't even have really a name for it. Uh, at the time. And over the course of the next two or three years, I I wrote a lot of songs and then showed them to some friends of mine who uh, thankfully really liked them. And then I kind of uh, recruited uh, four friends to be in the band. And we have one record out called Space and Time. We're currently working on our second record, which will be called Supersonic. And we play maybe two or three times every off-season when I can work it into my schedule once or twice during the summer. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we've got a big charity uh, gig at uh, Blue Island Beer Company this weekend, and, and then we play at hey Nani in Arlington Heights on February 17th, I believe. So uh, sonic45.com is where you can go find all the info and uh, check it out.
1: Maybe one more question for you. What's it like to be recorded? recording and making an album or, or a record um, inside the studio with the whole band.
0: Oh, it's amazing. It's a lot of fun, especially when it's stuff that you've written. Uh, to see it really come to life is uh, is something that's hard to describe. And uh, it's totally different from my day job, which is what I like. <laughs> and I think everybody needs to have an outlet like that. And uh, yeah, it's really, really fun. Just the process itself uh, of making a song and an album Uh, is is incredibly satisfying.
1: Well, Lance, thank you so much for joining me. Always a pleasure. Best wishes this year with the White Sox and looking forward to reconnecting, of course, very soon.
0: Always a pleasure, John. I'm really uh, uh, happy and excited for you and uh, continued success. I right talk there with Len Casper. That'll do it for us today. You're on Sports Talk
1: Chicago. Big thank you to Len Casper himself and all of you for tuning into today's program. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports. Facebook, John Z. want to watch more of this show, head on over to sportstalkchicago.com. So long, everyone.
0: No! No! we are the turtles!